What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Hungry Dogs Podcast, episode nine, week of February eighth. I'm joined here by my co-host Ahmed Shadid. We're gonna talk a uh, big game, obviously, in the NFL this weekend, the Super Bowl uh, preview for that, and then obviously today was the NBA trade deadline at three o'clock. So, you know, not any crazy moves, but we're gonna talk about what teams got better, what teams got worse. Um, and then we're talking about, you know, potentially who the best players in the NBA are as we currently see it. Um, Ahmed, do you want to get us started with, uh, your prediction or your, or how you kind of see the Super Bowl going out in your mind, your kind of preview of it? All right. So Chiefs first Niners, um, Cam Newton earlier this week said, uh, Brock Purdy has, is the 10th best player on this team. Uh, he came out of many quarterbacks earlier this season, calling them game managers, Brock Purdy being one of them. And um, I have to say, I started off feeling the Chiefs. Now, uh, as time has been going, and I've been kind of just re-watching these Niners games, I've kind of been leaning more so towards the Niners. I do believe Cam Newton's statement, as crazy as it is, Brock Purdy might be the 10th best player on that team. And given Brock Purdy's performance this playoffs, to be the 10th best player on that team with those stats says something. So if that's going to hold true and this Niners team is going to play up to par, I have to I have to go with the Niners. I do think the Niners are the better team. Uh, been playing better all year. Bounced back from two playoff games in a fashion they've never done before in the Shanahan era. So I just think this is a Niners team uh, – that's playing some of the best football we've seen in the past couple of years from Niners football and um, starting to feel Niners. You know, I think the storyline is with the Chiefs, but I just think the Niners are the better team. That's my thought on the game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this is a different Niners team uh, than it has been previously. So I think it's not just going to be like uh, how it was in 2019 where like the Chiefs, once they kind of started rolling in the fourth quarter, you know, they kind of just really got rolling. Um, but I'm actually – I'm going to have to fade it. I'm going Chiefs. I uh, found out that I have had the Chiefs since uh, February 12th of last year, the same day that the Super Bowl was on. I bet the Chiefs um, doubled down a little bit this week. Uh, I just think that the Chiefs have gotten to the point where they're the old Patriots. You start to watch them, and then you're like, they're going to lose, they're going to lose, they're going to lose. And then they just keep winning, and you're just like, how? I don't understand why or how. And then it just comes down to the defense makes opportunistic plays. They had Tom Brady. This team has Patrick Mahomes, who, you know, they just don't really make those big mistakes in the playoffs. And if they do, they bounce back. They, you know, Mahomes has shown that. I think the biggest testament to it was, you know, the 24-0 they were down in the first half to the Texans a couple of years ago. I mean, Mahomes says has had comeback victories in all of his playoff uh, runs. He had one this year against Buffalo. Um, and then he had, I think, almost all of them last year against um, the Bengals in the conference uh, championship, Eagles in the Super Bowl, obviously. So I think that the Chiefs are going to be down. Uh, I don't think they're going to come out right away and start, you know. Um, I think they're going to run the ball, but I don't think – I think the Niners are a good team. They're going to have a good game plan, obviously, with Shanahan. They're going to probably be up headed into the fourth quarter, maybe, you know, second half. I think the Chiefs are going to run the rock, kind of not turn it over until the defense has to put a certain amount of pressure on Purdy to the point where they expect him to melt down and they kind of count on him to melt down. 
and they count on Mahomes not to melt down when he has the ball late in the fourth quarter and kind of just execute it, get it to his guys, get him down the field, whether it's for one touchdown, two, depending on how much time they have left. I just have gotten to the point where you cannot, like, even if you think the 49ers are going to win, at plus odds in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs are just, they're just the logical pick, at least money-wise. And I think for my gut feeling-wise, too, I think we've all kind of seen that this is just the new dynasty NFL. We kind of have to get used to these Chiefs being in the Super Bowl. Probably every year, every other year, you know, Brady was starter for 21 seasons. They were in the Super Bowl 10. So I'm going Chiefs. Um, I think it's going to be a really good game. But, yeah, obviously I'm putting my faith in uh, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, and all the boys. Yeah, I'll agree with you. Experience, Patrick Mahomes, he's got it all uh, when it comes to the playoffs. Defense, and I do think too. Um, Money-wise, I think Chiefs is a smart bet to go. Yeah, and also uh, if you just say it out loud, like Patrick Mahomes versus Brock Purdy Super Bowl. Like, where do you – But, think? I mean, if you, you said know? Nick Foles versus Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. No, I agree. But that one, I think that one specific Super Bowl was obviously Foles, but that was just uh, Doug Peterson saying, we're playing the Patriots. We're not doing anything uh, like half ass. Like, we're – going for two every time we possibly can we're going for it on fourth down like he was the original brandon staley but like even better you know like i've seen people doing it but like that's i agree i was gonna say that was just all-time momentum too it was yeah exactly exactly once they won one playoff game it was like only up from there like yeah exactly and they killed the vikings in the conference championship too yeah i remember who did they beat first round i remember first round like they just got through it was it It was like Bear? No, Bears is the next year. It might have been the Falcons. I think it, who I think it was the Falcons. The year before the Falcons. Yeah, I think it was the Falcons. Yeah, yeah. It was the Falcons. Falcons they were, oh, they were, they were underdogs at home as the one seed. Yeah, that that's what happened. Falcons got in as a wild card, won their first round game, and then lost barely – Barely lost to the Eagles. Yeah, Julio Jones dropped a pass in the end zone, right? Yeah. I believe so. I remember that game. I really thought Falcons were going to win, too. Yeah. So it yeah. was like after you beat the defending conference champ, dude, that momentum. Yeah, that, no, that's one of the wild. greatest sports stories. Yeah, no, I, that Eagles team was all time. One of my favorite NFL teams ever. Um but, yeah, no, I just think, realistically, those are such outliers. Like, everyone says, like, it's the same thing in the NBA. Like, you can't really win without, like, when he, you know, an all-time historic great player. And, like, I don't think that's true for the Super Bowl, but everyone points out, like, when you say that for the NBA, like, the 4 Pistons. And I think a lot of people say that for the NFL. Like, oh, what about, you know, like, Nick Foles getting it done in 2017? But, like, since then, we've had, it's what, Mahomes, Brady, Stafford, Mahomes, you know? Or Brady was before uh, Foles also. So, like, well, it's basically been, like, pretty much Hall of Famers that have been, bless you, that have been winning the Super Bowl, you know? I agree. I agree when you put it in that perspective. Um, But maybe Brock's trying to put his name in that same conversation. I, I agree. No, I'm 100% with you. I am not at all a Brock Purdy hater. I just think that, the, like, Mahomes is just levels above him because he's levels above pretty much everybody else, you know? Like, yeah. you couldn't really say anyone's even on his tier. Like, in the regular season, you could say, like, Lamar, obviously, Josh Allen. Like, even Purdy played really well in the regular season. But, like, in the playoffs, like, Mahomes is just different. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll agree. But 
I just think Purdy. I I will say Purdy's Packers game didn't look great. Yeah, but against the yeah. Lions, the bounce back looked. No, it was, and I think better. too. I think we talked about it a little. I don't know if it was on last podcast or if it was off air, but we were saying too, like Kyle Shanahan was what zero and thirty in down seven in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Now with Brock Purdy, he's two and zero. You know, yeah. kind of wild. Like he could be. You know, this is just like you were saying earlier. This is a different Niners team. Um, and Purdy is kind of all the things that Shanahan was looking for, plus a little bit extra, right? He runs his offense perfect, but then also he can make those random uh, off-script plays where he is rolling right. I don't know who he threw the touchdown to, but he's rolling right, and he kind of just threw across his body, just missile to someone and scored in the end zone against the Lions game. It might have been Kittle or Ayuk. I don't remember. He had a, he had a nice pass to Jusek, too. I don't yeah, know if that's yeah, yeah. what you're thinking of, too. Yeah, that nice pass, I remember. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I don't know if this – I know the Chiefs have the storyline, but I think everyone's just, you know, sleeping on this Niners team. It's been the best team in football all year. This was, yeah. I think this is the team where if you ask midseason who was winning the Super Bowl, yeah, everyone would pick it was the Niners. either Niners not, – most people had Niners. You know, I'll say it was either Niners or Ravens. Midseason, I think it was the Niners. I don't think Ravens really caught that much steam until, like – Two or three weeks last quarter of the Niners. season. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the week before they beat the Dolphins, because the Dolphins game, everyone's like, oh, damn, this Ravens seems good. And then they stomp the Niners, and everyone's like, damn, this Ravens seems really good. But I would say but the week before Dolphins, I forgot who they played. But that that's when I would say everyone started picking the Ravens, become the bandwagon team. But Niners, I think everyone's been riding with most of the season. So, like I said, I don't know. Brock Purdy, if he's lifting up that trophy on Sunday – um it's wild it's gonna be a cool story also, your second the year in the league bro you beat Mahomes in the super bowl yeah exactly and it's like another point i was gonna say is like mccaffrey's not only the best running back in the league this year but the best player in the league if we're being honest so also forgetting about it, yeah. that i mean who else though it's either him or tyreek best player in the nfl best offensive player if you really want to yeah um it wasn't a great QB year, like a crazy. I mean, QB realistically, year. I would always put Mahomes and Lamar just because they're better athletes at the most important position. But if you want to say like non QB, I would say McCaffrey's definitely up there. Tyreek for sure. Uh, yeah, Justin Jefferson was hurt this year, so no, I would definitely agree. If you're talking about just weapon, like just skill guy, I'm de- I would give you McCaffrey 100. percent Scored a touchdown in every game this year except uh, two. Tim one, yeah, or two. Okay. So he got injured. It was a fantasy fantasy semifinals. If he scored a touchdown, yeah. I could have used it. Yeah. Fantasy final. But uh, regardless, um, you want to give up? And... My bad. Go ahead. I was going to say two touchdowns in each playoff game, too. So uh, Yeah, that's crazy. I think C-Mac's going to have a big game on Sunday. I think this is going to be an offensive Super Bowl. I think so, too. I think a lot of people are pointing to the Chiefs' defense. They haven't given up 30 all year. I think they're going to give up 30 for the first time. But I think Mahomes and the offense, they're they're going to click. I think that they're going to have to – it's going to be a running game, but I actually think the Chiefs are going to score a lot of points. I think it's going to take 24-plus at least to win. Each team is going to score three touchdowns. I 100% agree, yeah. But uh, so I guess the last thing we got to talk about here is uh, Sunday. Is Sunday uh, Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid's last game in the NFL? Yeah. Um, if you were to put it as who's more likely to retire, I would say Kelsey over Andy Reid. But I think it is barely possible that for both of them that this could be their last game. I mean, 
how old is Andy? He's like 68 or something. Yeah, I want to say look this up. He is 65. 65. So he's actually not that old, but I would say it's... Okay, so for Andy Reid, I would say it's more likely than not that he stays. But I would say if you're putting it at a 51-49 proposition, I would put the 51 on he stays with the Chiefs. And for Kelsey, I'm the opposite. I would say that he retires. I would almost swing his to like 60-40 he retires. Because um, he's the same age as Gronk, and Gronk's been retired for like three seasons. Tight end's a grueling position. If he wins, he has three Super Bowls. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was yeah. good this year, but he didn't really turn it on until the playoffs, you know, and how many more seasons can his body endure? You know, plus he's he's got plenty of money. He's gotten, you know, all these commercials, Taylor Swift. I don't think he has too much to worry about, you know, especially legacy wise, too. Yeah, I do think it's Travis Kelsey's last game for sure if he wins. But if he loses, I think Travis Kelsey's coming back for one more. Maybe, yeah. like you said, maybe he won't start out the season. But even then, I think he's going to make it clear that next year is his retirement year and it's the last dance. Yeah, I, I would say so, too. And maybe even if they win, he does a little maybe bit. Maybe even if they win, dance. too. I think yeah. so, too. I think I, I think he might just stay and say, you know what, I want to go out the right way. Because, you know, you could say the right way is to win a Super Bowl, obviously. But yeah. someone like Travis Kelsey, what he did for that Chiefs, Chiefs kingdom, yeah. you know, like, He's going to go out the right way if he announces that he's retiring at the start of the year. They're yeah. going to make sure every home game, those home game tickets, you know, it's not going to be Colby level. Yeah. I'm telling you, like, it's going to be a special ride. Like, you know, it's almost going to be like, it probably will be documented. Yeah, for sure. Especially if they win it. If they win this Super Bowl. Well, they already Bowl, did a documentary custom. with his brother who's going to retire and then didn't. And they just made a movie out of it. Yeah, I didn't even know that, but. Yeah. But like I said, I don't know. If Travis Kelsey wins this Super Bowl and then says, I'm going to retire after next year, there's going to 100% be a documentary next year. I agree. Yeah, that's one. On the, the, the first three-peat to ever happen in NFL yeah, history. That would, yeah, that would be great. I think actually, no, the more I think about it, if they win, honestly, he probably comes back because first three-peat in NFL history, they got to think about it. Because they're only going to be better next year, you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe so that maybe it's the reverse. Maybe if he loses, he he's takes gone. half a season off and yeah. then he says, Not nah, fuck this, I gotta win it again. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. way to look at it. No, it is an interesting way to look at it. I just think that they're obviously he only has like either this season, maybe one more, maybe two more. I would say next year is probably his last year just because it's like I said, it's a hard position. He's got you know, what else really could he play for outside of first three peat ever? Dang, so now that you say it like that, I'm going to say if he wins, he stays. If he loses, he retires, yeah. He retires. If he loses, he's going to say, I'm going to spend some time on podcasting with Taylor. Yeah. You know, take some time to rethink everything and then bounce back. Yeah. No, I'm with that. I agree. I think All right, let's makes, get into uh, – yeah. not NBA, just – my bad. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, I just think that makes the most sense because Kelsey's a dog, you know. He yeah, wants he is a dog. He wants that, yeah, he wants that three-peat. That's facts. Um, so I, I'm gonna say for the NFL, last thing we'll do is our best bets. Uh, we're not gonna do it at the end today, just so we have you know a lot of time to talk about NBA. So at least for me, 
I've been thinking a lot about it. Uh, undocumented, I have called the touchdowns at least one anytime touchdown score in the last uh, two Super Bowls with Odell Beckham Jr. and A.J. Brown back-to-back. Nothing crazy. But I think that my best bet is wherever you can get it, whatever sports book you have, is Chiefs minus 2.5 alternate spread parlayed with the use check anytime touchdown. For me, it was 5 to win 117. I don't know what it would be for you guys, but again, I'm not giving anybody any gambling advice. I'm not promoting gambling to any children or anyone who's underage or who could not financially do it. But if you do have some spare chains lying around, I would like to make some more money. I would, uh, if I were you, well, what I am doing already, minus 2.5 Chiefs alternate spread and use check anytime touchdown. Those are my ones. Ahmed, what you got? Uh, I do like the use check anytime touchdown. Uh, I think use check and Kelsey, that's another good look for touchdown parlay. But uh, yeah. I'm going to keep it simple and say my best straight bet for the Super Bowl is a Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown at minus 110. Mm-hmm. Um, what about a this McCaffrey? Is McCaffrey's with min- minus 235. Oh, yeah, that's not really oh, yeah. yeah, it's not good odds. Yeah, I'm with you on the 110, Kelsey. I think it's almost a guarantee he scores. I think you probably with Pacheco, too. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Pacheco and Kelsey, I think that's been the duo this playoffs. Yeah. Oh, it definitely has been for the Chiefs. Maybe a little Rasheed Rice one. If you're yeah, some Rasheed Rice yards. Yeah. Even. But uh, I think um, time to switch it over to some NBA uh, Thursday, trade February deadline. 8th, trade deadline day. Uh, we're seven hours past it now. Got to say, I was a little upset. Maybe I was just spoiled from the past couple uh, trade deadlines, seeing a bunch of all-stars be traded like it was nothing. Last year, even some superstars, KD, Kyrie, Harden yeah. the year before. Uh, this year, I would say the biggest trade of the day or of the tra- of the year even was Bojan Bogdanovic to the New York Knicks with uh, along with Alec Burks for Jericho Sims. Uh, Evan Fournier, Quentin Grimes, and uh, two second rounders, I believe, was the trade. Uh, I think Knicks won the trade 100%. Uh, I think they got what they needed. I think for that, that was the best trade of the year, like I said. And on the Knicks' end, that was all they really needed. They weren't a team that needed an all-star at the moment. Second best team in the league. Uh, I think it just fills the depth that they need and the scoring that they need. Best defensive team in the league. So they really didn't need much. So I think with how the East is shaping up right now, I think they put themselves in a solid position to finish second in the East. And um, I think they're a serious contender to come out the East right now, as much as it pains me to say that. How about yourself? What did you think about that trade? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it helps the Knicks get a lot better rotational-wise because – a lot of their guys um, at the beginning of the season were the guys that got traded um, was Barrett quickly and Grimes. You know, they were kind of like their role players and they turned not only those guys, but basically those three into Bogdanovich and OG Ananobi. And I think those are two better play styles for the Knicks, like overall culture and for the way that Brunson's playing right now. I think that, getting because the Knicks have become more of a veteran team than a young team I think flipping their young players for guaranteed 
like immediate scoring with Bogdanovich and then immediate defense and scoring with Ananobi. I think they turned their projects into sure things fairly cheaply and, you know, quickly. And I think they put themselves in a, like you were saying, a position to get themselves situated to maybe be the number two seed. And I think it realistically, it wouldn't be a hot take to say that the Knicks, you know, could be in the conference finals this year, depending on how the seeding shakes out. But realistically, I would not rule out two playoff series wins for the Knicks this coming summer. Also, another crazy thing about the Knicks trades is like, for all the moves they made to retain all the first, first rounders, rounders they had, they yeah. have 11 first rounders and I believe the next four years, something like that. So it's like they, they're not, they have their own first rounders as well as other teams' first rounders that they didn't trade. So they're in a great spot to this really, offseason if they need to grab somebody. Yeah. And then, um, who do you think would come available for them? Or who do you think you're stockpiling of? I have my specific answer. I'm wondering what who you think it is. I feel like it's gonna be Donovan Mitchell, but Yeah, that was my answer. Even then, Cavs are the second team in the league. They're 17 and 3 in the last 20. Make that yeah. 18 and 3 now in the last 21. So they're the hottest team in the league. I don't know. This is uh I think this is the year where we could finally see Donovan make his run too. So it'll yeah, be interesting. They're a sleeper think, uh, conference finals team as well. They got a squad I also. Think if the Cavs make the conference finals, then I think Donovan isn't going to hesitate to resign. Yeah, I agree. Because I do think Donovan values winning as much as he values uh, just where he wants to live. If I'm being yeah. honest. New York over Cleveland, I'm sure he does want to do that, but I'm sure he New York is like kind of his home, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I do think, true. like I said, I think the Cavs, if the Cavs make it to a conference finals, I don't think. No, he would stay. Back. I agree. I think he would stay. I think he cares about legacy. But uh, there's some other names. Honestly, who knows? Maybe maybe Giannis or Luka this time next year. Yeah, Luka reuniting with Bronson. I mean, it worked fairly well in Dallas. They made the conference finals with those two. Like I said, they have their 11 first-rounders, so if Giannis and Lucas says they want out, you trade all 11 first-rounders. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, I guess there was another move that I noted. Uh, there are some other moves we could also talk about, but um, one move that I saw that caught my eye was Buddy Hill to the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Low-risk move for the Sixers, uh, four Concord Moss, Marcus Morris, and three second-rounders. So uh, not not much to lose there, but I just uh, I saw Buddy Hills on the last year of his contract. He's an expiring contract this season, yeah. so it kind of just I don't know what Philly's goal is with this season because they traded away Pat Bev also for campaign, and then uh, Jaden Springer for a second round pick when I felt like there was still value to build on him. So my whole thing with the Buddy Hill trade is if they're trying to win now is uh without Embiid. If they're trying to win now without Embiid, I just don't think Buddy Hield is the answer at all. I think uh they're going to expect too much from him and not get much at all. And unfortunately it's gonna result in them not resigning him this summer and him walking somewhere else. But with Embiid, I think I think Buddy Hield is the perfect fit for that team, the perfect shooter. They haven't had a shooter that great since JJ Reddick, in my opinion. That's so with that volume. So I think uh, Embiid with Buddy Heald will just work 100 times better than when Embiid isn't there. 
So uh, I don't know. Are they planning for no Embiid? Are they planning for Embiid? But I think overall it's going to be his value is going to just have to be proved in the playoffs, and Embiid should be back by then. And yeah. um, I guess, so what did you think about that trade? No, I agree 100% with what you're saying. I think it's more of a playoff move than it is a right-now move because I think they're going to just try and stay their best to, or do their best to stay afloat while Embiid's out. But I think the Buddy Heald trade was for playoffs, realistically. Like, they want to be able to be their best when it matters the most. Like, when Embiid comes back, realistically, and probably, like, beginning of April, mid-April, whatever it is, and they have time to kind of mesh. They'll probably have about, you know, 10, 15 games left to get right Um, to kind of – because it would just have to be Embiid working in with the kind of the new chemistry that's been created, which he Embiid is – like he does like kind of demand the ball, but he's also like a big too. So it, you want to mm-hmm. feed him. And I think it wouldn't be like a someone adjusting to play with like LeBron or like – I don't even know, like Luca, like Embiid's not that ball dominant. And I think the like Heald could just kind of fit in with them um once Embiid gets back. And I think it's just more shooting for playoffs, more um like depth overall for playoffs. I think um and I think like the campaign and Pat Bev uh trade, I think that the Sixers have enough defense to where they just wanted campaign to kind of be able to run the offense a little bit more while Embiid's out and they kind of just will need scoring from that second unit and and campaign has shown on other teams that he's played for like the Thunder the Suns that he's a really good like point guard for a second unit you know whether he's your seventh eighth man it doesn't really matter like if he's coming off the bench and running with that second squad he's gonna get you he's gonna keep you in the games most likely you know he's not gonna be out scoring 20 every night but he'll keep you relevant while the starters are getting rest agreed and then for Pat oh, back to the box too, I think you were kind of saying this, um, that they needed to replace Drew Holiday kind of defensively. And I don't think Pat Bev is the defender that Drew Holiday is, but I think he does provide them a defense. Uh, he does provide them a defensive edge on the wing that they didn't have previously. And I think that he's going to be an overall good culture fit for the Bucks too, especially transitioning from Adrian Griffin to Doc Rivers. You know, it's kind of like a, I don't know. I wouldn't say a mess right now in Milwaukee, but it's definitely... I don't know. Not tidy. I mean, they're not all buttoned Pat up, Bev really. Fam- at least Pat Bev's familiar with uh, Doc's system. He's a former player of Doc and uh, LA. True. Yeah, and I think so, he, no, he wasn't on the Sixers with Doc. No, he wasn't on the Sixers with Doc, but uh, I saw he was happy to play with Doc again. So he might have requested that trade for all we know. Maybe he saw yeah. the writing on the wall for this season. Said I'll come back to Philly. Yeah, eventually, because he did. He does have a home in Philly. He built a home or found a home there. Fan base loves him. Uh, the Pat Beth podcast is done with a big Philly fan, so um, I saw he yeah. broke down in tears. So kind of sucks to see that for Pat yeah. Beth. But um, like you said, I think it is a win-win trade on both sides. I think uh, last thing the Sixers really need right now is defense. The offense has been hurting a lot. Yeah. On the Harden trade, we never really got any offense to really help them. It was Batum, Robkov, and uh, Marcus Morris. And I don't even think any of them put up 10 points per game as much as yeah. it hurts to say. So, uh, I don't know. I just think, like I said, all they have is Maxi and Ube right now that is capable of putting up more than 15 a game. And in the NBA, that's not going to slide in 2024. Uh, Tobias Harris. What were you going to say? Tobias Harris. 
he could get up some some points. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah, he's up there Yeah. too. But yeah, he should have been traded. I don't know. Like I just dude, they they lost the past three games by a combined fifty four points and the three Yeah. games out of the like and then beats out minimum four weeks. Rumors are he so it's a complete tear in his meniscus that they're covering up. So it's like I just I hope that they're not banking. I don't know. I don't The know rug if they can can get bank back on a playoff too, run. yeah, especially if it's kind of a lost season. Like, I don't three games out of once I think once they fall out of a play and like you can't really you shouldn't bank too much on a playoff spot. Like on Yeah. a on a playoff No, run, if they're not playoff if they don't run. stay above the sixth seed, um, like if they don't stay in the actual playoffs and not the play in, I'm kind of with you. Like if they're way into the play in, just sit and be the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. So like right now they're three games out the out of the plan. I do think like at some point they'll find it together. All star breaks coming up coming up Yeah, yeah. coming upon us. So they might get a stretch where they get a get three, four straight wins and And a lot paces of teams start are to good. play better after the All-Star break, too. It's like a nice little reset where they can kind of come back. It's almost like a new, fresh start. They come back. They start practicing again. They kind of get themselves ready and right for, like, the Agreed. not the second half of the season, but, like, the second or the last, like, I don't know, quarter, something. Not quarter, like So, third, I guess. it's possible, but like I'm saying, if the trend just continues where they're losing games, you know, they're winning at a 25% win rate, 30% win rate, I think they have to do what's best in their interest, and I hope they have a pick. I should look on that for next week, Um, but Nets might have it from the Harden trade. I think Nets might have it, but there, there's probably protections on it. But like I said, I don't know. I just think that's a team that really should have said, you know what, we know Yeah, they Embiid do. is the They best. have their own first rounder this year, so they could They're in just a good tank. spot. I think they could have just expect, accepted, you know, we know Embiid is the best player in the league right now, so we're just going to put our hopes into next year. We know what we have to do over free agency because even then it's just like this core with Embiid isn't good enough to win a championship, sadly. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. A lot of a lot of other mid trades. Uh, Jazz traded away some players Like to the Dennis Raptors. Schroeder for Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie, yeah. Like I mean, there's Dennis no, Schroeder for there Spencer was no Dinwiddie. point in that trade. You're just making two men move their lives to different countries for no reason. Yeah, I mean, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie already got bought out. I I just don't think the Nets wanted him anymore. Yeah, I don't they know just what wanted Schroeder's to get rid of issue him. was, but. I mean, Yeah, Schroeder it looked like might enjoy New York. I mean, you know. I think he will. I think, yeah, like we said, He might be a nice I little just fit for the squad. You never know. nice little facilitator that they needed. Yeah, Then I mean, we won't then get into he just the disgrace that the Nets have become <laughs> the trade deadline. We, you know, and we then I guess there's some other things we could touch up on. Since we said the trade deadline was mid, would you just say where we were spoiled from the past couple of trade deadlines or Do you think this is what a normal trade deadline is? Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. I think we've had pretty big trade deadlines throughout NBA history. Like Melo got traded at the trade deadline. Harden's been traded at the trade deadline twice. KD last year. I think the last three years we've had absolutely massive moves. So like it, we have been spoiled the past three seasons, but like before that there also have been like fairly big moves, but
I think this year was just especially a dud because the biggest name that got moved was Bogdanovich. But, like, I mean, he was probably the best player. I would say, honestly, probably Pat Bev was the biggest name. But it's not like he went from, like, bummy team to great team. Like, he went from, like, semi-contender to contender, you know? Like, he's still going to be relevant. The sneaky one, if he's healthy, is Gordon Hayward. Yeah, well, I think Gordon, again, always if he's healthy with Gordon Hayward. But that's that's the if Gordon Hayward is healthy, we might be having a conversation in May when the when the Thunder are in the conference finals saying that was the trade deadline winner. That was yeah. The move. No, I can see what you're saying with that. Yeah, especially a veteran on that young team who's been to the playoffs with. I think he was in the playoffs with the Hornets, and the Hornets are the most unserious yeah. franchise in all of sports. So it's kind of saying something. But like I said, I don't know Gordon Hayward that. Good, he fits a role that they need on that team. I don't think Lou Dort, he's a decent small forward. I think they could use a upgrade there while they mm-hmm. and they still have Lou Dort, so it's like they're in a great position. Whether amazing or not Gordon position, and the next, like, what is it, 11 they drafts? They have 36 picks, something ridiculous, <laughs> something wild, yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess we're just gonna have to look back in a month or two and uh. Hopefully, there's some clear trade deadline winners. Hopefully, a lot of these trades actually did mean something. And we see that these are the trades that need to happen a lot more in NBA, not just at the trade deadline. And um, I guess the last thing we could touch up on was a conversation we had off here. Jalen Brunson, is he a superstar? Or is it a factor of recency bias? Um, I think, well, you can definitely say recency bias has a lot to do with it, but I think just the way he has been playing, especially with their playoff series win last year, how they kind of manhandled the Cavs in the first round. And then they kept it fairly competitive with Miami who ended up, you know, going to the finals. Mm -hmm. Um, I think his performance over the last year and a half has definitely warranted a superstar status for him, especially the way that he's like kind of carrying the Knicks right now. And he's been like their best player. I mean, and if you want to talk superstars too, like you can say that there's other players playing better than him at uh, like, you can talk about like Shea or Ant, like they could quote unquote be playing better than him right now. But I think just Jalen Brunson being the face of the Knicks and like low key, the face of New York sports right now, it just gives him the edge in the superstar talks, in my opinion. And I think, like, for at least for me, criteria superstar-wise, like, kind of have to be in the top 10 to 12 best player for, I would say, probably, like, at least one to two seasons, you know? And I think Brunson's kind of been there because his first year on the Knicks, like, it was a sleeper year. You know, people were, like, all fake stats. He's just kind of hogging the ball and everything. But then he kind of proved last year, and he proved um, even more this year that there weren't, obviously, fake stats leading to wins. So... I would say your play over the last year, two year and a half, two years, and then, um, well, obviously that, and then I guess your like playoff performance too. I would say for your superstar, so I'll put Jalen Brunson in. What about you? I was gonna say he's on his path to superstardom. He's playing like a superstar, but uh, I just I don't know. I can't count him as a superstar until the end of. This year, this season, I have to see what he does in this playoffs. How many playoff rounds does he need to win to get superstar? If he goes to the conference finals, I'll say he's a for sure superstar. I was gonna say, yeah, conference finals is undeniable because not even Melo did that with the Knicks. They haven't been to the conference yeah, finals like yeah. we said, since two thousand. 
And that's what I was saying. I think it's one of those, there's going to be some crazy Brunson discussions if he takes that team to the conference finals. Like, because it's like you say, you bring up Melo and it's like Melo is the best Nick in the 2000s of the century. Yeah. Of, this, of, this, of the millennium, you know, whatever yeah, you want to call it. Millennia, yeah. So if Brunson gets into the conference finals, it's almost like everything Melo did is forgotten about. You know, obviously not, you know, because I know a lot of people who love Melo. Melo gave him the love for the game. Yeah. But to an extent, it's like, you know, Jalen Brunson really did what Melo did and took it took it up a notch, you know? he And for a small guard to really do that, it's like, yeah. I think that's what a lot of people like more, the small guard. So it's like, I think it's honestly attracted, uh, It's it will attract more fans than I what think Melo so, did. too. And I think because New York is such a basketball city and a basketball place that a lot of the casuals might not think that he's a superstar, but people that are watching basketball, like he doesn't have the star power of Melo, like just the kind of the way Melo played basketball, he played like a superstar. I mean, he was a black hole. Like he gave him the ball. You weren't getting it back. So he was scoring the majority of the time, but Brunson is just playing super efficient basketball. And I think, you know, New Yorkers love basketball. And I think watching him play super efficiently and super well, he's a huge team guy. I mean, most of the guys on the team were his teammates uh, in college. I know we've said that a lot, but I think team chemistry, it does matter a lot. And it's, you know, it's matter a lot on this Knicks team that's gotten them this far. One thing I will say, too, about Brunson, which will be confirmed in the next one to three seasons, is I do think uh, – a lot of players were scared to play for the Knicks. Big players, big names specifically. Yeah. I think uh, it's just always been too much attention, and nobody's ever been uh, built enough, honestly, to really take take on that fan base and uh, that. And try and be the savior the for the sleeping giant sports yes. franchise, you know. Exactly. So it's like for Jalen Brunson to be, uh, you know, almost in the unknowns, and finally, like put New York back on the map yeah. in a way that nobody has before. I think it's finally an attractable franchise. You see the chemistry they have there and what they built. Uh, it's really, it really is props to Jalen Brunson, as much as I hate to say it. To um, him, and I think this is the first time in my lifetime that the Knicks are actually well-run. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's like we said before, 11 draft picks and the yeah. next uh, 11 first-rounders in the next three years, four years. I have to double-check that. And, um, you know, they – they're well run right now, and they look they'll be well run for the next, honestly, maybe even decade. Yeah, I know, one hundred percent. This is the best position they've been in since I've been alive. So, it's exciting times for New Yorkers. But like I said, I will not consider Jalen Brunson an All Star right now, or a superstar right now. All Star, obviously, stud player, yes. Uh, yeah. Minute left. Yo, uh, Joe Flacco, shout out Joe Flacco. He just won comeback player of the year over DeMar Hamlin for coming back off the couch. That. And CJ Stroud, shout out them. Shout out uh, them. I guess we'll close it off here. We'll have some more NBA discussions next week. Uh, yes, we'll sir. close Super off the NFL recap. season. Yep. And uh, week 10, episode 10 next week. Uh, we'll be happy to have you guys back. Give us your feedback if possible. And I appreciate you guys always. Thank you guys for tuning in. Yes, sir. Hungry dogs run faster. Get fed, baby. Talk to you guys next week.